Welcome to the Men Moving Forward podcast. This is the number one podcast for male and female entrepreneurs who are looking to move forward and build confidence and social values so they can experience deeper connections and more successful relationships. On this podcast we're going to be discussing overcoming narcissistic abuse, building confidence and charisma, creating successful relationships, living an abundant and prosperous life. Subscribe to get regular updates and notifications when we add the latest episodes. Okay, so welcome to another podcast episode. I'm joined today by Nigel Beckles. Nigel is a author and an expert on narcissism. Um, so Nigel, do you want to introduce yourself? Oh, sure, yeah. My name's Nigel Beckles. I'm, I'm the author of the book, How to Avoid the Big Relationship Mistakes. Um, I'm also a contributor to the documentary, Looking for Love. I created a book, sorry, created a group for abuse survivors about eight years ago, and it now has over 20,000 members. Mm-hmm. And I'm currently working on my second book, and I support people online who are recovering from um, abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. So what got you into, you know, what got you interested in that? Well, in psychology in general and narcissism in particular, what, what was it that made you? Well, one of my parents was highly narcissistic. So I think that uh, you get conditioned. You get conditioned to accept certain behaviours or certain mm-hmm. toxic behaviours. Um, so then when you become an adult, you may encounter a narcissist. And because you're conditioned to accept certain behaviours, the red flags don't come up for you. I mean, I've been involved with at least four different narcissistic um, relationships. Um, And yeah, they've they've been very, very toxic. Some of them very toxic. So it takes you time time to kind of work out what's happening, why it's happening, and why you keep kind of um, attracting the same type of people. (laughs) Yeah, so um, yeah. Yeah, that, that was kind of like that for me. You know, growing up, my mother was quite moody, always in a mood, and mm. um, quite violent. So when I met a woman who was moody and violent, I thought, this is the way women are meant to be. And I, yeah. I actually went through, a, a, you know, quite a few normal women to, to marry one that was <laughs> more what I was used to. Uh, uh, well, as I say, you have to, you have to kiss a lot of um, princesses or a lot of frogs before you get your princess, I suppose. Yeah. So, how did, in what way, what sort of behaviour were you used to growing up? Well, there was. I grew up in a family where there was um, a certain amount of domestic violence, uh, and that obviously affected me becoming an adult. But a lot of that effect is uh subconscious you don't necessarily know why 
sometimes you do the things you do or why you're attracted to certain people or why they're attracted to you. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, there's something called, um, in psychology, something called triggers. So a trigger is like when you have a, almost like a flashback, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So in my, in my growing up, because I, I would be the one to comfort my mother mm -hmm. um, after an episode of domestic violence. Um, but when I became an adult, if a woman started crying, subconsciously, I would have a flashback to my mother. Mm -hmm. And which would then make me easier, easier to manipulate if that was, if that was the um, motivation for them crying. Because narcissists and psychopaths and sociopaths, they can, turn, they can turn on seeming emotions. They're not really emotions. They, they're just acting. They're very good actors and actresses, which is why a lot of people get sucked in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So, what other sort of traits are there with narcissistic personality disorder? Well, well, okay. So, if you look at the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is the basically the American Psychiatric Association Bible, mm -hmm. they have narcissistic personality disorder as a cluster B disorder. Mm -hmm. So, cluster B disorder individuals, i.e., narcissists, sociopaths psychopaths and histronic personality disorder, they have major problems in their interpersonal relationships. Mm -hmm. So sooner or later, there will, there will be, be um, problems. So if you look at the, the criteria for um, narcissistic personality disorder, so there's nine. So persuasive pattern of grandiosity, preoccupied with fantasies of um, greatness, unlimited success, and interestingly, ideal love, we'll get back to that later on. Mm -hmm. I believe that they're special, um, requires excessive admiration, has a sense of entitlement, um, interpersonally exploited, which is another thing we'll talk about, um, lacks empathy. And that's one of the, the big ones, because obviously if you lack empathy, then you can't, how can you have genuine feelings? Ah. Mm -hmm. uh, Often envious of others or believe others are envious of them and shows an arrogant or haughty attitude. So those are the nine. So if they were to be went for diagnosis and they scored five or more out of that nine, mm -hmm. they would be officially diagnosed as having narcissistic personality disorder. The problem being is that very few people go to get diagnosed because they think they're fine. Mm -hmm. They think they're perfectly fine and the problem we have there then is that we've got a lot of people walking around with personality disorders who are undiagnosed mm -hmm. and that is where that is where we we can be vulnerable to being exploited because their relationships are not if you look at a sociopath a psychopath narcissist in particular their relationships are transactional it's got nothing to do with love. It's got to do with what they can get, what they can get out of you, basically. It's got yeah. nothing to do with love whatsoever. So they will view their partner as an object, just an object to be used, mm -hmm. abused, and then discarded as they see fit. Yeah. Uh, and that's what causes a lot of the damage, because in the meantime, you've got something called trauma bonding. So trauma bonding is 
connected to intermittent reinforcement. Now, intermittent reinforcement is basically a reward, a punishment and reward system. So they give you a little bit, treat you nice, like treating me to keep them, keep them keen, as they say in London. <laughs> so it's like a breadcrumbing system. Mm-hmm. So, and they get you high. So when you're, okay. If you look at how they operate in their relationships, okay. So you first of all, you've got grooming. So when they target someone, they groom them, just like a pedophile would groom a child. Mm-hmm. So they pick who they want, then they will love what they call love bombing. So there's you know all flattery and gifts and oh you're my soulmate and all this. Then there's another technique they use which is called mirroring. So they will mirror your behaviour. Mm-hmm. So you fall into this thinking where oh, I've met my soulmate. They're just like me. They share my values. They share my goals. They they share my aspirations. But they're just mimicking you. They're just mimicking what they're seeing, which is again what sucks you in. That's an NLP technique as well, mirroring and matching. Yes, yes. So then you get to the next stage, which is so that's the idealization stage, stage where they idealize, we put you on a pedestal, etc. Then they will move eventually into the devaluing stage, where they start to find everything wrong with you. Um, and in the during the devaluation stage they will already be looking for their next target, their next conquest. So they're either, when they're devaluing you in their mind, they're already looking for somebody else mm-hmm. or have found somebody else. Then you get to the next stage, which is the discard stage, where they just discard you because mm-hmm. you have fulfilled your usefulness as far as they're concerned, mm-hmm. um, which is the most brutal part. In fact, I was um, supporting a lady last week who's, going through all those these negative emotions because she was discarded mm-hmm. and she's having a tough time of it. But I understand because I've, I've been there, you know, but it's more of a hormonal kind of situation. You may think to yourself, oh, I still love the person, but it's not that, it's just your hormones, are, you know, because you've got cortisol, which is the stress mm-hmm. hormone. Then you've got oxycontin, which is the bonding hormone. Mm-hmm. So you've bonded with the abuser. Yeah. Now you're not together anymore. So then the stress hormone kicks in. So you've got these two hormones which are raging in your brain. And this is what causes basically the, the, um, the trauma bonding. So, um, and it's, yes. it's possible on. for someone with a narcissistic personality to, to switch between the two. So one minute you'll be, you don't know, there'll be love bonding you and you'll be getting all that oxytocin and then. The next minute, they'll be putting you down and creating that cortisol. Well, the, the cortisol kind of kicks in more when the relationship's over because it, it usually comes as a shock because mm-hmm. often you don't see the, the, this, the discard coming. Mm-hmm. It can be very sudden, it can be very brutal, mm-hmm. and it can be very callous. And, um, and you're left wondering, well, it's like you thought this person was this person, then you suddenly decide, so you suddenly discover that there's someone totally different. Mm-hmm. That's when the mask comes off. When mm-hmm. the mask comes off, that's when you really see who they are. But by that time, you know, you've emotionally invested, invested your time, mm-hmm. invested your emotions. So that is where it gets really tough in terms of um, recovery, mm-hmm. which is why most experts will say 
no contact, mm -hmm. no contact whatsoever. But that's the only way you're really gonna begin to recover. If you keep revisiting or keep trying to contact them, first of all, they get sadistic pleasure out of seeing someone suffer. Mm -hmm. That's one. Two, basically, if you keep trying to contact them, you're just feeding their ego. Mm -hmm. And three, you're just you're just hindering your recovery. You have to go no contact. Mm -hmm. And even though they say it's like coming off of drugs, because you go through withdrawal symptoms, basically. Mm -hmm. Because they've kind of conditioned you to get so high on, on all those different like endorphins and hormones, all those good feeling kind of hormones. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly that that supply, if you want to call it that, is withdrawn. Mm -hmm. So then you go through a withdrawal kind of state. Then you can go through um, post-traumatic stress disorder. You can go through complex um, PTSD as well. Mm -hmm. um, you can go through triggers. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, and even though some will say, okay, go to a therapist, but my view is you need to go to a therapist who knows what they're talking about mm -hmm. well, not all therapists are, are created equal basically mm -hmm. so i don't really care how many certificates you've got on your wall mm -hmm. i need to know what you're talking about and session and secondly abuse i mean abuse generally is a is quite a specialist quite a specialist area yeah I think you need, you know, you need to speak to someone who's been through it to, to really understand, you know, what you're going through. So, um, complex PTSD. What's what are the symptoms of uh, of that? Ooh, wow, wow, wow! You could you could have headaches, nightmares, um, anxiety, mm -hmm. uh, problems focusing. I mean, there's I think there's over twenty five. There's over 25 symptoms actually mm -hmm. of um, PTSD. Yep, and flashbacks. Something yeah. that I, I struggle with um, are kind of emotional flashbacks. So mm -hmm. if I'm, you know, in a situation, I start to start to get like emotions. You know, things start coming up that I don't want to be uh, don't want to be feeling. Yes, indeed. And it can take, you know, I said it can take time to, to recover. But as you said earlier, you really need to, if you can, find a therapist who's been through what you've been through. Mm -hmm. There's a book, there's a book um, called uh, The Dance of Wounded Souls by mm -hmm. uh, Robert Burney. Uh, it's a book about codependency. But, you know, he says in there, you know, you can't go to a therapist expecting them to lead you out of the dark if they haven't been in the dark themselves. Mm -hmm. You can't expect someone to lead you to the light, you know, if they haven't in there. I mean, theory is one thing, practice is another. Yeah. And that's why I always say that survivors tend to have more knowledge about the whole process than a lot of therapists do. But yeah. they haven't been there. They haven't been there. No. And if they haven't been there, you can't really appreciate fully what that person's going through. Mm -hmm. so, so what are the other kind of things, the other sort of tactics that a narcissist would use so there's like love bombing gaslighting what's what's gas oh, yeah, yeah gaslighting well gaslight gas gaslighting is where the abuser tries to pervert your sense of reality mm -hmm. basically so you might put a glass on the table 
potter off and do something else, come back, the glass is gone. And you say to the other person, oh, I put a glass on the table. Or they like, no, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like trying to warp your sense of reality. Mm-hmm. And when you, look at, when you look at abusive relationships in general anyway, it's all about power and control. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on what tactics the abuser decides to use to um, obtain power and control. It could be isolation, they can isolate you from your friends and family. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may try and lower your self-esteem to affect your confidence. Um, mm-hmm. If it was a narcissistic parent, you know, they would like insult your boyfriends or girlfriends, anyone you brought home. They'd say they're not good enough for you. What? Oh yeah, so like, well, I had that as when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, as a teenager, yeah, I had I had that. Um, so when you look at it, like I said before, though, but it's insidious. So it doesn't. It's not like it all happens in one hit. It's mm-hmm. a gradual build up of. of of, of time mm-hmm. um, as they use different different tactics to um, assert control mm-hmm. yeah um, uh, yeah you know later in an adult relationship they may be trying to get control of your bank account or, or something like mm-hmm. that well I didn't have it that I didn't have have it that badly <laughs> thankfully um, it was more the Emotional issues, mm-hmm. and even then, when you're growing up, you you, you, know, you don't know, you know, you lack experience, you lack knowledge, so you just accept everything as being normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've done a lot of work on yourself, and you kind of take a object objective point of view, you can say to yourself, "Well, actually, no, that was wrong." Mm-hmm. But at the time, you don't realize because you know you're you're still growing, you're still learning. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, as you say, you know, when you grow up in that environment, that normalizes it for you, you know, and you're attracted to people that other people would, you know, other people who haven't had your sort of upbringing would realize that that Mm. person's an utter, but because you don't know any better, you you know, you think that's the way, that's the way it should be. And, you know, you end up repeatedly in those kind of relationships. Well, there is. Oh, let me have a quick look here. There are certain people who are more susceptible to narcissistic abuse mm-hmm. or getting involved anyway. So you might have already suffered abuse. Um, you might have high integrity. You don't like letting people down. You may be codependent or have codependent mm-hmm. tendencies. And if you grow up in that kind of family, you have an inability to set boundaries as well. Ah, indeed. And the boundaries, is, boundaries are, so, are so important. I've just been working on a, a PowerPoint for a workshop I'm going to do next year on mm-hmm. abuse. And the, um, the last section is going to be about boundaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my first book, I've, I've got a chapter on healthy boundaries. The boundaries are so important. But... Yes, they are important, but at the same time, you don't want to walk around on red alert all the time, mm-hmm. um, kind of like paranoid, um, but that's not healthy either. No. So, but again, I mean, there's a, there's a myth that says um, only weak people get involved in abusive relationships, which is a total myth, because a narcissist, sociopath, psychopath, they target 
good people. They target people, you know, good people, people who are good at what they do, mm-hmm. good at their job, um, got a good reputation, especially with the narcissists, because what they will do, they will target someone who's got like a, say they've got a relatively good reputation in their field. Mm-hmm. They will target that person because that, to their mind, that enhances their reputation. Mm-hmm. It enhances their ego. Mm-hmm. I call it um, credibility by association. Mm-hmm. As the, um, the criteria says, they feel they have to um, associate with special, because they think they're special, they have to associate with people that they perceive are special. Yep. So they will target certain people. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter who you are, you know, they, because they're such good actors and actresses and they're, they're so good at manipulation, mm-hmm. you can get sucked in. It doesn't, doesn't really matter, it doesn't really matter who you are. Because I said it, it's an insidious process. It's not like they're gonna, it's a plan, basically. It's, mm-hmm. They have a plan. So it's not like they, they're, they're gonna give you red flags up front straight away, because obviously you would just walk away, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. So it's very underhanded, very undercover. And that's how, that's how they suck people in. Mm-hmm. And so what, what else do they do? Do they kind of, I know making up lies about people is quite a, um, you know, quite a common thing for narcissists to do. Oh, very, very common. Okay, so let's go back to the cycle. So basically the cycle is idealize, devalue, discard. Mm-hmm. Then you may get the Hoover later on, but we'll talk about the Hoover later on. But when you're in the devaluation, when they have you in the devaluation state mm-hmm. and the discard state, they've already started a smear campaign. They call it a smear campaign, because that's what, that's what they do. They'll start talking to other people about you. They'll start listening you to other people, not, not to your face, but to other people. Mm-hmm. So these other people are called um, flying monkeys. So the term flying monkeys comes from, um, the movie The Wizard of Oz, 1939, I think. Now, in that movie, there's the Wicked Witch of the West, mm-hmm. and she sends out her flying monkeys to do her evil deeds. <laughs> so that's where, that's where the phrase comes from. So, yeah, so you will be subjected to a smear campaign. But the reason for the smear campaign, in part, is if they suspect or they know that you know what they're really like, they have to destroy your reputation. They have to destroy your credibility. Mm-hmm. Because the one thing that a narcissist fears the most is exposure. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing they fear, people finding out what they're really like. Because they have the false self, which is what they present to the world, and then they have their real self, which is quite empty and shallow and insecure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they will, they will conduct a smear campaign. No two ways about that. And even though that can be difficult to um, deal with, my advice is basically, if you've got mutual friends, just stop contact with them and don't try and fight the smear campaign because they've already planted seeds in other people's minds Mm -hmm. that sound quite plausible to attack you. So they may say you're an abuser when in fact they are the abuser, which is called projection. So they will accuse you of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh dear, excuse me. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, so yeah, so they will um, 
try and diminish your reputation as much as as much as they can. Mm-hmm. Um, so, did I have a kind of split personality, or is what I call it split? I suppose, in one sense, you could say it's split. But basically, you've got the false the false persona mm-hmm. and the empty persona. Mm-hmm. So I've heard it false... described as the narcissist is is a kind of shell to protect the the vulnerability underneath. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but that doesn't excuse, they may feel vulnerable and fragile, etc. but that doesn't excuse the damage they, they cause Absolutely in, the, in, the, in, the, in their wake. I mean, people will say, well, you shouldn't really label somebody a narcissist. Well, at the end of the day, we label poison, don't we? Yeah. We label poison because it's not good to drink. <laughs> and it's the same with, um, it's the same with um, personality disorder people they are they're poison basically Mm -hmm. and if the amount of people i've spoken to over the last eight years either in person or online who are recovering or recovered etc some of the stories Mm -hmm. are absolutely um absolutely horrendous absolutely horrendous um yeah so at the end of the day yeah but they have a false self yeah so it's I've heard them described as um, icebergs. So you've got the you've got the false self, which is very like you know charming, attractive, confident, mm-hmm. charismatic. But underneath, but it's all an act. But underneath that, you know, they're demeaning. They are selfish. They are manipulative. You know, the list the list goes on and on but basically what you see is not what you get you may believe what you're seeing is what you're getting but you're not mm-hmm. you're certainly not and that is a shock at the end because the shock at the end is you the person you thought you were dealing with or interacting with is totally the opposite mm-hmm. which is when the mask that's when the mask comes off and that's when the shock kicks in because you, you think to yourself well, but I thought this person was like this but actually the reality is that they're like that so then the shock is like it's all it's all been an act especially if you've been in a relationship because one of the things they will do to keep you hooked in is um future faking they'll promise all these great things for the future oh yeah we'll go on holiday or we'll get married and we'll do this and we'll do that and it's all just to keep you hooked in Mm -hmm. so that's what they call future future faking um, but it's just it's just toxic. It's just a, just a toxic mix. So going back to the cycle, because they all go through the same cycle. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as I said, idealize, um, devalue, discard, and then it may be two weeks, two months, two years. You may get the Hoover. Mm-hmm. Now the Hoover is named after the famous huh, Hoover vacuum cleaner. Which is basically when they try to suck you back in. Mm-hmm. But they try to suck you back in. If you fall for it, you'll go through the same cycle again, just you'll go through it quicker. You'll go through the same idealized, devalue, discard cycle, just at, at a quicker rate. Um, and usually when they come to Hoover, it's because they haven't got any supply. Because a narcissist lives on narcissistic supply. 
So narcissistic supply is attention. Doesn't matter if it's positive attention or negative attention. They need attention. Mm -hmm. So, and it's just like a crack addict needs crack. Mm -hmm. They need attention. They um, often say that our narcissists are um, attention whores. Not only are they attention whores, they're also, also actual whores because they are notorious for cheating. Notorious. Mm -hmm. So they need narcissistic supply. If they've run out of supply elsewhere, they may well come back to you to see if they can get supplies, basically. And that's mm -hmm. the only reason they come back. They don't come back because they love you or because because they miss you, they may come back and you know give you grand apologies. Oh, I'm really sorry, I didn't really mean it. Mm -hmm. Just to suck you back in. Or they may contact you and say, oh, I've had an accident. Or, oh, I'm ill. Mm -hmm. Or some other crisis. Yeah. Um, to try and get you involved again. So, yeah. you have to be mindful. Once, you're, once you've decided you're done, you're done. Now, it's not always possible for everyone to go no contact. Because say you have children with this person. Mm -hmm. Say, and you may, you may be apart, but there's still visitation issues going on. So you have to be in contact with them in some shape or form. So there's a method called the gray rock method. So the gray rock method is basically minimal response, mm -hmm. business-like response. So you don't talk about your personal life, you don't talk about the past, you don't talk about what happened in the relationship, you just keep things business-like. Mm -hmm. They're coming to pick up the children, what time are you picking them up, what time are you bringing them back. Mm -hmm. That's it. So you just keep it very basic. Mm -hmm. And eventually, all being well, um, they will go and seek narcissistic supply elsewhere. Because if you engage with them and you start getting upset, and start getting emotional. They they like that. These people are sadistic. They like they like seeing other people upset because it gives them a feeling of control and it gives them a feeling of um superiority. Mm -hmm. So you just got to keep it basic if you can't go no contact. I mean, in the ideal world, if you haven't got any children with them or no other reason to be in contact with them, then no contact. Mm -hmm. But that's the only way you're really gonna just the only way you're really going to heal. You're not really good. If you, you can't go back, you can't, you can't keep going back to somebody who's already betrayed you and hurt you and quite possibly even emotionally destroyed you. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make sense. So you just have to bite the bullet, no contact. I'm not saying it's easy, but it has to be done. It just has to be done because otherwise you're just, you're just going to you're just going to hinder your own recovery. Absolutely. You're just going to hinder it. So what, what else can someone do to recover from narcissistic abuse? Well, well, therapy is good. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you, find, if you find a good therapist, but you need to find the right therapist, which is not always easy. I think um, support groups are good. Mm -hmm. um, support groups online, like they're... they're there are lots of um, support groups online. Facebook, you'll find, you can find many support groups that deal specifically with narcissistic abuse and recovery. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's a page called um, Exposing the Narcissist, which is quite good. There's um, Narcissistic Recovery, Emotional and Emotional, what's it? Covert Abuse. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they, they, they just, if you just went on Facebook and just went in the search box and put in Narcissist, mm-hmm. you'll find many groups. I and mean, there's, there's even a group um, just for men that's called. Um, Male, male narcissistic abuse recovery, but it's just for men, men only. It's got about two and a half thousand members, but some of these groups have got like thirty thousand members, fifty thousand members. So it's obviously a problem. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, people. Sometimes people can find themselves, you know, not wanting to leave a relationship with someone and then that person can turn abusive because, you know, it's as though they've been trapped. And so sometimes I feel in that situation, it's not always a real narcissist. It's just someone that's been, you know, trapped by someone and can't get out of the, uh, can't get out of the relationship. Well, part of what? Well, first of all, part of the recovery process involves anger. Mm-hmm. That's after you've left. And if you're in an abusive relationship, and of course you're going to feel anger, but then you may also feel anger, but then you might also feel helpless because mm-hmm. you can't see a way out. Yeah. Because there are, there are different types of, um, it doesn't have to be a narcissistic abusive relationship, it could just be an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the, the person who's been abused may not have the economic means to leave yeah or they may not have any support or they they're still in love Mm -hmm. it's like like a love hate kind of dynamic Mm -hmm. going on within the person yeah people stay in abusive relationships for um a variety of of reasons and it may not necessarily have anything to do with love Mm -hmm. it may just be the case they can't see a way out Mm-hmm. I mean, I was talking to a, um, a lady on Sunday and she supports abuse survivors mm-hmm. and she was telling me about a case where um, the man hit the woman, police were called, he was told to leave, mm-hmm. um, but to cut a long story short, she took him back. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the lady I was talking to, she finds it very frustrating. Because she's well, obviously the best thing for her to do is, is to leave. But then, as I said before, a lot of perpetrators will isolate their victims. Yeah. So, in this particular case, this chap went to another country and met this woman online, went to another country, brought her back. So, she's got no support system here, she's got no family, here, no friends here. So, she's isolated. So, she didn't know what else to do but to go back. Mm-hmm. And one of the symptoms of CPTSD is that you, you know, you do isolate yourself. So someone with CPTSD is more, you know, more open to abuse because, you know, they're more likely to, to be able to isolate that person. Mm, well, with CPTSD, it's like, okay, so with post-traumatic stress disorder, that's usually associated with one incident. Mm-hmm. Right, with CPTSD, then it's usually um, um, 
multiple incidents. Mm -hmm. So therefore, obviously, the trauma is greater. Mm -hmm. They haven't just been through one thing, you've been through several, several um, incidents, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it can take, it can take, it can take time to recover. And mm -hmm. again, if you're talking to a therapist who's not familiar with that particular condition, then it's going to prolong your recovery, isn't it? You need Absolutely. To, you need to talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about, basically. Absolutely. And ideally has actually been through it themselves. Ideally. Mm -hmm. But that's always not always going to be possible. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, yeah, recovery is a rough, it can be a very rough road, but it is possible to recover. But going back to what you were asking earlier, um, online support groups are, are really, I find them really helpful mm -hmm. um, because everyone's got a shared experience in that particular group. Mm -hmm. Someone might post posted and say, "Well, I'm going through X, Y, and Z," and then other members will say, "Well, I've been through that as well, and this is how I coped with it, or this is how I dealt with it." Mm -hmm. um, so I think, um, and obviously having a support group myself, um, but for my group, I, I I help when I can, support when I can, as far as members are concerned. But I also make it a habit to post good information. Mm -hmm. You know, like Sunday, I posted a, um, an article about trauma bonding mm -hmm. into my into that particular group. But actually, I started a group about oh six weeks ago for male survivors of abuse, survivors mm -hmm. yep. of abusive relationships. So started that group as well um, because again, with men, we can be very isolated. That's one. When I say isolated, I mean in the terms of expressing our emotions. Because mm -hmm. when you look at children as boys, they are socially orientated not to show emotions. So you get told, oh, big boys don't cry. Oh, man up. So they suppress their emotions. So when they become men, they tend to fear talking to other men about their emotions because they don't want to appear weak. So there's something called the guy code. So they'll talk about cars or football or rugby or cricket mm -hmm. or women, about anything but their own um, emotions. Yeah. So you look at that and then you say to yourself, okay, the male suicide rate is approximately two thirds higher than it is for women. So you have to ask yourself the question why? And in my why, there's no data to support what I feel, but I feel out of that suicide rate, there must be men who have been in abusive relationships, but they don't know how to cope. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They don't know, not only do they know, they don't know how to cope, they find it difficult to express what they're feeling. I mean, I've read stories where men have gone to a police station to report being abused and they get laughed out of the station. Yeah. Yeah, you know, man up, you know, go away, go and sort it out. And then when you look at it, you say to yourself, well, in the whole of the UK, there is one um, shelter unit for men suffering domestic violence. One in the whole of the UK. So it's not only it's not only the uh, it's not only the guys who may have a problem expressing themselves, but, but then you also got the problems of society at large, because society at large believes that 
generally um men abuse women women don't abuse men mm -hmm. so that's another problem you have because it's not to say that abuse is only physical you know abuse can be psychological it could be emotional mm -hmm. you know going back to what you were saying about you know gaslighting uh silent treatment all those things are used to lower someone's self-esteem mm -hmm. so you know society has got this general idea that you know well guys can't be abused which is nonsense absolutely but, but if you're kind of if you're kind of stuck in a place where you you don't feel comfortable expressing your emotions and then society is telling you well you shouldn't express them anyway you're in a double mind aren't you mm -hmm. absolutely yeah yeah you know going for abuse can be emasculating can make you feel like huh. like you say like less of a man like men aren't meant to suffer that kind of thing mm. well that's part well that is part of the um that's part of the condition isn't it the whole the whole point of a female abuser will be to emasculate a man yeah because a man who's emasculated is going to be easy to control yeah which goes back to what i said before doesn't matter who the abuser is the motivation always is power and control mm -hmm. and that's the basis that they work from so it mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's a control freak or narcissist or sociopath or psychopath it's mm -hmm. all, or just a general general abuser but when you think about it healthy people don't go around hurting other people they don't now, hurt, people hurt people hurt people is the same Yes, yeah, you took the words out of my mouth, actually. Yeah, hurt people hurt people, but you've got to protect yourself at the end of the day. It's all very well being sympathetic and having empathy for someone who's had a, a rough time as a child or whatever. But at the end of the day, we all, when we become adults, we have our personal responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I advocate, you know, if you, if you identify you've got some baggage, well, before you get involved with a relationship, then sort your baggage out first. Because all that happens is you take baggage into a, a, a relationship and eventually the baggage will spill out. It's mm -hmm. just inevitable. It's going to happen. It's going to happen yeah. sooner or later. Absolutely. So, you know, you can say that, oh, well, you know, it's not their fault, but it's not your fault either <laughs> no. you know it's not your and why should why should you suffer because someone's got unresolved issues mm -hmm. you didn't cause their issues and one of my favorite sayings is you didn't break them and you can't fix them it's really absolutely. simple absolutely yeah yeah what i tell people is you know to get away from get away from the situation but you know to forgive you know to understand that you know that they had their own problems and like you know just it makes it easier to forgive i think because if you hold on to it you know if you hold on to that negative emotion then they can continue to control you you know even through that if you keep keep you know stay angry about it and that, that can really eat into the rest of your life mm. well funny you say that actually because i'm I was um, looking at my book draft um, on Sunday and I've got a section at the end about forgiveness, but my focus is forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the first priority, forgive yourself, because you can find yourself in a situation where you're beating yourself up 
for getting involved in the first place, what you put up with, etc. So to me, the first priority is learning how to forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you shouldn't forgive the abuser. That can come when it comes. Mm -hmm. But my is, priority is forgive yourself because that's part of the healing process. Especially if you're a guy, you know, you, you can find yourself in a situation where you're beating yourself up badly. Yeah. Because you haven't forgiven yourself. Yeah. But once you forgive yourself, you can say, okay. And also there's a saying I like, um, the opposite of the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. Mm -hmm. So basically, you don't you just don't pay them any attention, any emotional memories, etc. Yeah, uh, which is easier said than done. I mean, this is all easier said than done. Um, but I've been there myself. Um, I had a meeting. <clears throat> I had a meeting um, last month with a chap called um, Matt Davis. Um, mm -hmm. He's also an author. He's got a book called um, The Vampire's Hunting Manual, which is about narcissism. And he's, he's been through a narcissistic um, relationship. So we met for the first time last month. We were talking for over four and a half hours mm -hmm. because we had so many shared experiences that we, we understood where we were, you know, I understand where he's coming from. He understands where I'm coming from. Yeah. So that was really, really good. It was really um, productive. But then, as I said, it goes back to, I think a lot of survivors know more about, um, because what happens is, well, what happened to me, certainly, when I went through a narcissistic relationship in what, 2000 and, 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 and was it 2005? Let me just check my book. Yeah, 2005. Mm -hmm. uh, this book here. This book. Yeah. I really, yeah, it's called um, Help, I'm in Love with a Narcissist <laughs> by Stephen Carter and Julia Sokol. Yeah, good, very good book. Very good book. Mm. Um, so we were talking about all you know, the different aspects of the abuse, how it affected us. But as I said, you know, I think survivors have more insight mm -hmm. because obviously they've been through it. <coughs> Absolutely. Uh, they've been through it. So, you know. Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, so where can people find you, Nigel? Ooh. Where can they find me? Well, find me on Facebook for starters. Mm -hmm. um, find me on Facebook, find me on LinkedIn. I've got a website called relationshipbookmistakes.com. Mm -hmm. I write a blog there about once or twice a week. Got a blog there. Um, where else? Our Reflections on Abusive Relationships. That's my support group. Mm -hmm. So they'll, they'll find me there if they want to join. Um, yeah, that's about it, really. But um, I also do um, also do workshops. So I facilitate workshops um, for abuse survivors and abusive relationships. Um, I'm a member of uh, Survivor Provider Services, mm -hmm. uh, which is the, a group of us who facilitate workshops for survivors, basically. Excellent. So we have to have a busy. We had we had a work, couple of workshops in October, and we're hoping to have a busy year. Mm -hmm. uh, 2020 all being well brilliant excellent thank you very much you're welcome welcome nice to talk to you thank you all right take care now